0: But you have to see the law is not just the law. The law law exists to point out your sin at the same time that it points you to Christ.
1: Welcome to the Guilt Grace Gratitude Podcast featuring Peter Bell and Nick Flewiler. This is a show about Christian doctrine for everyone from the historic Reformed tradition delivered by two friends in an unscripted dialogue. Join us as we discuss how the finished work of Jesus Christ changes everything.
0: Are you in the Orange County or Santa Ana area? We are exploring a church plant, Santa Ana Reformed, with the oversight and accountability of Oceanside URC and Reverend Danny Hyde. If you are interested or you know someone who might be interested in the area, please check out our show notes for a link to sign up for updates, our Twitter or Instagram at Pod or Santa Ana URC for the same signup link, or simply email us at santanareformed at gmail.com. We begin meetings on October 28th at 6.30 p.m. at 4th Street Market in downtown Santa Ana. Now on with the episode.
1: Welcome everybody. It's yet another day of fresh grace and mercy. This is Nick and Peter from the Guilt Grace Gratitude podcast where we bridge the gap to reform Christian theology for your listening pleasure and as a reminder, this is season three promises and fulfillments we're going through the covenant theology book published by Crossway edited and written by RTS staff and we are on chapter two. It's the Covenant of Works in the Old Testament by Dr. Richard Belcher. Heck yeah,
0: baby. Yeah, this yeah. Is a, it's, a good, it's a good chapter.
1: Yeah, it's great. Um, Dr. Belcher, I've listened to his lectures, free lectures on RTS uh, website. Oh, yeah, and shout we- those out.
0: Yeah, shout, shout out that website. People want to learn more.
1: Oh, this is what got me into this stuff before we start even doing the podcast is uh, I started listening to the free lectures on RTS. I know you've listened to them,
0: yep.
1: but, uh, I've told Dr. Kruger about it and how edifying it is. Yeah. Oh, and shortly before we get too much, more, <laughs> I did forget about reminding you guys, you got to check out the show notes. You get a, a few links there that are really key. First, there's a link to getting your own copy of this book so it's going to take you to crossways website yep. order yourself a copy order yourself a copy so you can walk through this book with us uh number two there's a couple links to confessionally reformed churches to find near you it's a church yep. finder you can find a church to call home and a link to the society of reformed podcasters so you can find other great reform podcasters out there that were a part of the network too. So okay, so I got the book in front of me. You got the book in front of you. What did you think the PDF of this me. <laughs> hey, What did you think of this chapter? I thought it was a very
0: fair assessment, and um, not just like, oh, let's overview this, but actually like the exegesis, which just means let's dig deeper into what the text actually says. Um, and some misconceptions. Um, and like I think probably the shortest treatment of the covenant of works in the old testament that makes like a lot of sense. Like yeah. it's it's thick and it's short, but it really well defines the covenant of works in the old testament. I loved it.
1: Mm-hmm. And I like that Dr. Belcher wrote it. He is phenomenal with being an old testament scholar. Yeah. So he was it backwards and forward, and yeah, and I like.
0: Because I think some chapters don't take this outlook or don't take this um, structure where he both presents like the case for covenant of works in the Old Testament, but also brings up some theologians we'll, we'll bring up later for those who might disagree with his viewpoints. So you kind of get both viewpoints.
1: That's correct. And because you brought that up, a sneak peek to the very last thing he says in that chapter, just oh, yeah. to assuage everybody, he said, quote, <laughs> We should rejoice when people get the gospel right, even if they reject the covenant of works, uh,
0: even if we don't like them and we want them to go away.
1: <laughs> they still, if they get the gospel right, that's good. But I think the gospel is better and best understood totally. in the light of the covenant. Of works. Yeah, so yeah but it's all about the gospel.
0: Name. But yeah, it's easier to get it when you have the covenant of works.
1: So the first thing I kind of wanted to bring up that you and I can talk about is the main chapters in the Bible he talks about referring this to is Genesis one through three. Yep.
0: Yeah, so, Genesis one through three, and there's a couple other ones like Leviticus 18, um, one in Deuteronomy. But yeah, that's that's the main one where they all kind of look back to it.
1: And he says without the covenant of works, covenant theology crashes to the ground. Yep. Without it, it would be leaving one covenant to define the relationship between God and humanity which is mono covenant covenantalism. So
0: mono just means, yeah, one covenant.
1: Yeah. So we definitely need to understand the distinction between the covenant of works and the covenant of grace. So there is an aspect that Dr. Belcher talks about pre fall versus post fall Adam. And as we know in the Bible, pre fall Adam is, is a pretty short stint in the bible it gets to post-school. at least
0: yeah at least like in a text that's we have no idea how long or short it was actually but the text presents is like he was commissioned and he flunked
1: <laughs> yeah whoever who knows how long a period that time yeah, is he blinked so, and what?
0: he failed yeah that's yeah. about what the text says
1: yeah um so pre-fall he was, I, he makes it clear in here pre and post fall, Adam was still under the covenant of works.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Covenant of works pre fall, there is no grace. And I liked how he really emphasized that. Where if you're mono covenantal, which just means you see one covenant, usually that one covenant is the covenant of grace. Mm-hmm. If you're what we call tri covenantalist, which we see covenant of redemption, which we talked about last week, this week we're talking about covenant of works. So we'll talk about the same thing next week in the New Testament. But within the covenant of works adam had no grace pre-fall in fact
1: quote unquote he had no help it was him that's right yeah there was no reason for grace to have entered the picture yet however there are some uh people he mentions in here other theologians that have argued about that that was grace pre-fall but he belcher kind of argues against that as well as saying, no, that doesn't really make sense. Um, And he explains why. So we're just just trying to break down the chapter, whether you agree with us or not. Yeah.
0: And maybe to help define it too, for some of those who come in, it's like, oh, they're saying there's no grace in the Bible. All we're saying is grace means unmerited favor. It means given something that you don't deserve. Mm -hmm. And Adam in the garden had the ability to obey the law. If he didn't have the ability, that's where grace comes in. And that's technically a Roman Catholic thing is when you believe in concupiscence and then unmerited and merited favor. There's this, these fancy terms, condign uh, merits and congruent merits. It's big in the Roman Catholic Church. And so they say, no, Adam needed grace to obey the law pre-fall. As reformed Christians, no, Adam doesn't need it because he had the ability himself to obey the law. So We're not saying there's no grace. We're just saying he didn't need grace. Post-fall, he needs grace.
1: Yeah, and he had the ability to sin. Yep. And at some point in time, like before he sinned, he was fulfilling the covenant of works well because he was in perfect standing with God.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we think about it too, he was, yeah, like you said, he was fulfilling it when God gave him the, I mean, they're all in Genesis one to three is a mandate. It's God telling Adam, these are the things I want you to do. God begins in Genesis one by naming the planets, by naming the plants, by naming the earth, by naming everything, by naming Adam. Then he tells him name these things, which is a command. Adam names them. So he's fulfilling part of the mandates And then he also adds on top, but don't eat of this. So it's kind of along this list of of mandates and he fails at the end.
1: Yeah. Even. So he does have the
0: ability to follow through.
1: That's true. Yeah. And Dominion. um, I don't think Belcher specifically talks about this part, but popped in my head just now Dominion over naming the animals show is shows that you have, Authority over them. Yep. So, a way my pastor actually described this is he was talking to me about in the creation account when Adam, when God told Adam to name the animals, which means he had dominion over them. Yep. Which is the same way, like we, when we have children in our own homes, we're called to name them. Yep. So, somebody else outside your family doesn't have the right to name your children. So, you're seen as the Authority figure. And yeah. yeah. So yeah. That's, that's set up Adam to be our representative. He, yeah. And we'll
0: get into this more later, but God was, is, is not was, he is the king of the universe. He's sovereign over the whole universe. He orders all things. Him commissioning Adam as part of the image was to be a king over Eden. So he was supposed to do things that God does as king. Adam was supposed to do as king. So as we're heads of families, Adam was head of creation. He was given that authority by God, but he was head of creation. So, yeah, he's he's got this divine commandments, which is,
1: in this aspect,
0: with the garden, a
1: covenant of works. Mm-hmm. So, getting farther into this chapter, um, I love how he goes right into the evidence for the covenant of works in Genesis 1 through 3. And then people are going to say, wait a minute. Genesis 1 through 3 never verbatimly yeah. says the covenant of works. However, yeah. hold up. He does say, yeah. if you look at, uh, hang on with me,
0: Hosea 6-7.
1: Hosea 6-7 references back to Genesis 1 through 3 and said, mentions the covenant given to Adam, which yeah, is... I, I, but there's, like there's both that, but I mean, even behind that, you don't
0: even have to look at later verses to prove the earlier verse. It's I mean the, the analogy I always use: if you walk into a wedding and there's a bride and there's a groom, there's a minister up front, and they're exchanging vows, and there's all these rows of people watching this. If they don't say this is a marriage, if there's nothing labeling, if there's not a label on top of the arch that says this is a marriage, you can still safely assume everything here shows me it's a marriage even though it doesn't label itself a marriage same thing with the covenant
1: yeah yeah and hosea six seven states but like adam they transgressed the covenant yeah there they dealt faithful faithlessly with me so there are references back there and then actually as i was reading this i was thinking um And I'm surprised this hasn't really popped up. Maybe you've heard of it, of Covenant of Works mentioned this way, but the way I kind of popped in my head, how I best can understand it is the Covenant of Works really is equals obedience.
0: Yeah. I mean, it'd be uh, with the Westminster Confession of Faith. I forget the reference, but it's perfect, personal and perpetual. It's not just obedience. Sometimes it is perfect obedience all the time and yourself.
1: Every second of the day, every second,
0: all the time. That's, that's, that's the Bible's definition of obedience. That's the The Bible's definition of obedience is not like, Oh, try to do it. The Bible's definition of obedience is perfection.
1: Yep. Which is the first commandment. Yep. And, and Jesus is the only one that has been able to ever do that and ever could do that. And if you've ever heard somebody say, I don't sin anymore. They're lying because <laughs> yeah. you would have to yeah. like every second of every day, love Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, everything, yeah. and to the fullest capability. And yep. we we just flat out can't. <laughs> yeah, Adam and Eve. We might be able to increase
0: in it, but the Bible does not explain you fulfilling the covenant of works by increasing in your obedience. It says you have to be perfect in your obedience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Though we still increase in be like I want to make that clear, we still do and should increase in obedience. And we'll get into this later on. But in order to enter into heaven, and in order to gain heaven, you have to do it perfectly.
1: Mm-hmm. So when we think of the word, we don't need to replace the word "works" with obedience, but just think of it this for a second. Yeah. Pre-fall. Adam was in perfect obedience yeah. to God. Post fall, he already was not obedient yep. and he couldn't do it anymore. And yep. um, so that explains pre and post. And then um, the first time covenants or the word covenant does, uh does occur in scripture in this sense would be Genesis
0: six eighteen. Yep.
1: Yeah, with Noah
0: yep yeah and there's some debate on what the reference is because the the Hebrew word sometimes people say it refers to um, a covenant that was already made and he's just re-establishing it so there's debate on this um, so most some people think that this is a, a covenant of where some people think this is a covenant of grace but it's still like you said it's the first explicit reference to the covenant mm-hmm.
1: And I'm looking for this part where Dr. Belcher mentions a really good point about Noah. He says he is a second Adam, not the second Adam. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody post
0: Adam, after the promise (coughs) given in Genesis 3.15, where he shall crush, the Lord is cursing the serpent. He tells the serpent, he talking about the, the seed of the woman shall crush your head. You shall crush his heel. Ever since then, we're looking for, okay, who's this second one going to be? And so when you look at Moses or you look at Noah in this, in this instance, you're wondering, is this the one? Cause he's being set up like another Adam. He's being given this covenants and seeing, will you be faithful to my covenants? Genesis nine and 10 shows us he won't. Mm-hmm.
1: So we talked about Genesis one through three. It's, um, two parties to the covenant are clearly identified, which we described the, uh, definition of a covenant yep. and it's showing there's two different parties. Yep. And God is telling Adam to obey him in a certain way. Pre fall. He's like, yeah, no problem. Uh, I have no reason not to yep. post fall He just is lost. He doesn't know how to, it's not even natural to no. obey. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, and then he does talk about in here how because Adam is our representative and we have we have inherited this sinful nature from Adam. So yeah. we don't need to dig in too much about um, the new, obviously, with uh, Christ's role with the New Testament, because it's not specifically uh, has to do with this chapter. But Dr. Belcher does match up how this points yeah. to Christ how he fulfilled obedience for, for us, um, yeah. through the law. And that's how we can find yeah. salvation. But, um, dun, 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 looking through here. So after we got Jose
0: took seven questions related. So it's, it's the name of it. So there's been a couple of names that have been associated with the covenant of works. Yep. So there's covenant of creation, there's um covenant of nature, um, we, uh, Turton, who's a, a famous reformed theologian from the 17th century, he has his own statement. That's, is, is pretty well regarded, well, well regarded if your hardest boss. So a name that's near and dear to a lot of reform people who I, I don't think many people know, but he's just a, a 20th or like a 19th and 20th century theologian. Mm-hmm. Uh, he talked about covenant works. And so there's been, been different names. Um, and it's not like one name is better than the other name. Like it doesn't describe it better. But I think naturally, as like English speakers, one word can mean one thing to us versus another one. Like covenant of nature, I like how Belcher said, doesn't adequately describe this because covenant of nature assumes that what was made at this time, a covenant of creation, there was only one covenant. Because there was not only one covenant.
1: Yeah, and if you misinterpret it or call it something else, he talks about how it flattens really the covenant of grace. yeah. It takes away the meaning of, like, we need to really underline the law and yeah, the failure yeah <laughs> that, that, that Christ is fulfilled. Um, yeah. So, if, I mean, he, at the end, he says, like, I, there
0: is good reason to call this the covenant of works because it is a, a work covenant, not a creation covenant necessarily or nature one, but a covenant of works. Mm-hmm.
1: Something cool too, he points out in here, is if people are wondering how Adam got his name in Hebrew, it's spelled the exact same way as human. Yeah, yeah.
0: So you can. It depends on context. So some context, it's a personal name. Some context, it's it's human or humankind. So it can be, it can mean both things, just depending on where it lies and what's being referred to in the sentence.
1: Mm-hmm he's our natural representative
0: yep yeah we he both represented us so we were given his sin nature because he fell but we also fell in him mm-hmm. so it's both so it's not just we receive this like oh it's like you're it's like somebody using your credit card without you knowing and then maxing out your credit card you have you obviously had nothing to do with that so we're not saying that that Adam maxed out your credit card and then gave you back the credit card like oh man sorry like I messed it up for you. It's
1: we both maxed out our credit cards in Adam's sin. He he gave the possibility to max out our credit card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we max it out because we max it out together.
0: But he yeah. did it himself.
1: Yeah, he's a terrible person to go shopping with. I guess so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> don't go shopping with Adam.
1: No, but that's a uh, to the point of of Jesus. He's not in Adam, he's of Adam. Yep, and the entire world, every person you've ever met, um, is in Adam. Yep. We are all in Adam, we are completely this uh, same nature as him. So, the only way we can not have be in Adam anymore, you have to be born again, and you born again yep. through the spirit and become, um, really inheritance of Jesus. And that's what yeah. Jesus is telling Nicodemus. So Yep. Um, so if you guys want to read a lot more about the covenant of works, like you were saying, Peter, uh, Westminster Confession of Faith 7-1. Does yeah, go that's the big the one. That's the big one. Do you have that in front of you? Because I have it in front of me too. But knowing that you're in seminary school, you should have the honors of reading. It. Well,
0: technically, the denomination I'm part of doesn't use the Westminster Confession of Faith.
1: Oh, I put you on the spot. We use the free three
0: forms of unity, which predate the Westminster Confession of Faith. Is so this, we're cooler.
1: That's the URC?
0: Yeah, the URC. We use the Belgic Confession, the Heidelberg Catechism, and the Canz of Dort.
1: Ah, so I'm at an OPC. We use it.
0: So you can say I was Reformed before, before it was cool.
1: <laughs> the, the Reformed hipster? I was,
0: I was Reformed 100 years before the Westminster Confession of Faith came.
1: But you still agree with it. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm not saying I'm
0: saying that to, to jest.
1: Yeah. Um so anyway, there's some other good points in here.
0: Yeah, um, so we can talk. I mean, we've kind of established the covenant work. I mean, I don't think we've named it. So the covenant of works really refers to specifically when God tells Adam to not eat of a specific tree. Right. Um, And so when the not eat of the specific tree doesn't mean by his act that this tree itself kills him. That's not what it means. It means this tree tree symbolizes the covenants between God and man. It's will Adam obey God's commandment. It has nothing to do with the tree itself. It is used as a symbol to point to Obedience. Will Adam obey this? And we know it's a covenant because if he does eat of this, then death will occur. Yeah. And you can assume the opposite. If he doesn't eat of this, then his life will be extended.
1: Yeah. It was an act of disobedience, simple to the fact that that we we were not told why the tree is necessarily... Yeah,
0: there's nothing about the tree itself.
1: Yeah. Um, The only thing that we get is it's supposedly, it gives you the ability to uh, call good and what you want to call it and evil what you want to call it.
0: Yeah, so Adam, when he does that, and if you notice too, before this mandate is given to Adam, God uses the words good. So he calls something good in creation. He says, and this was good, and he called it good. And that that culminates with man, and it says, and it was very good. And so God is already calling things good. So he's using his kind of sovereign kingship to say that this is good. And so when he's telling Adam, he's saying, as I have done in creation, calling things good, and assumedly calling things bad in some sense, not in the full sense. He's telling Adam, do the same as I've done. So he's copy my judgments. Mm -hmm. And when Adam eats of the tree, he's flipping God's judgment. He's saying, no, God, you're wrong. What you call as
1: bad, I'm going to call good.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And we see Satan's first lie in our first sin. So evident today. Totally. Like the world is, if you guys pay attention to the news at all, you can clearly see a lot of things that you're scratching your head is like they're calling this bad thing really good. And they're calling these good things really bad. And, you know, it's, it's part of why the church gets persecuted in the world is because the world just doesn't understand the church.
0: <clears throat> yeah. But here, let me, I have the 7.1 pulled up. So we'll read this and we'll get into the role of grace in the yeah. common works, but it says Westminster confession of faith seven. So chapter seven, section one, that's what 7.1 means. The distance between God and the creature is so great that although reasonable creatures do owe obedience unto him as their creator, yet they could never have any fruition of him as their blessedness and reward, but by some voluntary condescension on God's part, which he hath been pleased to express by way of covenant. Mm. God didn't have to come down and, uh, to create this covenant relationship, but he chose to come down. That's not out of grace. It's just he chose to come down to establish a covenant with Adam. And this covenant showed Adam, you can do this. You can do what I'm telling you to do. You have the ability. And we see Adam doesn't do it. Hmm.
1: And the covenant works are really important because it lays the foundation for the gospel. Absolutely. Yeah. So it was a probationary test yep. to, Adam to see if he would obey God. And keep the terms of the covenant. Yeah, and
0: all probationary means this is a short time period to see. It's like if you if you gave your kid five minutes to try to figure out a puzzle, that's what effectively God is doing with Adam. He's giving him a short time period and saying, "Okay, will you obey my commandments?" With this, and again, Adam fails.
1: Yeah, and we t- we we did talk about this in the covenant of redemption how this yep. was. Planned before creation, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know the depths of God's mind, and I'm not gonna try to, and I'm not gonna try to. It's a lot of that's a mystery. Oh, it's good because I do. Well, and then we're (laughs) gonna we're we enjoy trying to, yeah,
0: totally. No, yeah, we we will
1: never know the depths, we won't even know a drop. But uh, the only thing I can think of is this is played out because He's introduced the existence of grace which pre-fall was foreign. Nobody yep. knew even that depth of God. So I don't know. I'm just thinking of this in my head. Even the angels in heaven pre-fall didn't understand probably what grace looked like maybe. And and as soon as post-fall, when it entered the picture, they were like, holy cow, there's another new level of God's love.
0: Yeah. And there's, God. there's some part, I think in Hebrews, that talks about this the book of Hebrews and the new Testament, but angels don't have grace. It's right. not a thing. They're under that's the covenant of works.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because When you fall as an angel, you fall and that's it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There's no redemption. And so there's some point where like, they see grace is like, Oh man, humans get grace.
1: Yeah. Humans was,
0: get to see the pleasure
1: of God and saving them. So they never saw that aspect of God pre fall. So yeah. Weird to think about, we we get so caught up in what's going on in the history of the world, which is fine, but like, it's, it's cool that how this plays out, there's also heaven, like the angels watching this unfold too. And how they're looking at God and, and glorifying God and, and everything too, through, through this story. So yeah, what it comes down to human beings are held accountable to God and the subject to death on the basis of the terms of the original covenant, because it's the same covenant pre-fall with Adam as post-fall, but it's just now impossible to fulfill without having your mediator, Jesus fulfilled it for you.
0: Yeah. So I think that that brings us perfectly into kind of this last half section of the, of the chapter. It says role of grace in the covenant works. So bottom of page 69 And that flows right into the covenant of works and the gospel, because you have to get works right to understand the gospel clear. So I'm not saying you can't understand the gospel without works. So like we said at the beginning of the episode, you can still accept the gospel without having an understanding of the works, but to get the clearest understanding of the gospel, it really helps understanding works. Right. Um, So if I can start, there's these three like little quotes that I pulled from right in the middle of of page 70 and says the covenant of works and the gospel so adam was given this test this short test to see if you be a god keep the terms of the covenants the obligation is implied in genesis three and clearly taught in other passages of scripture we can make three observations and i'll just do the three it says first the punishment of genesis three are passed on to the descendants of adam which is why we need the gospel Mm-hmm. Second, the continuing obligation to fulfill the covenant's requirements is affirmed in later scripture and the principle, do this and live, which is the Leviticus 18.5. And it's actually talked about a bunch in the New Testaments. Mm-hmm. Third, Christ fulfills the obligations of the covenant for, for the salvation of his people. So even right there, I think you get like three bullet points that really well summarize the gospel
1: one, two, knockout punch.
0: Yeah. you get One, two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, you could like, if your friend asks you, okay, what's the gospel? You can say these three things. You can say punishments of Adam's sin was passed to you and me. Seconds, we are obligated to fulfill the same thing that Adam failed. Third, there's only one who did it.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, can I give you a good one? Go for it. I got you a good one here too. He also says, Christ kept the law perfectly on behalf of those he represents, those united to him. Oh, yeah. His righteousness is imputed to his descendants through, through faith in his person and work. Christ yep. kept the law and died on the cross as a sacrifice for sin, taking on himself the covenant curse that falls on all those who break the law. In this way, God can justify, just- justify sinners through faith in christ the covenant of works is found fund foundational to the work of christ as the basis for our salvation
0: yeah so if we not like like we said we can stress this we're not saying if you don't understand the covenant of works you can't accept the gospel because you can't accept the gospel without accepting the covenant of works but christ's work is really filled out when you understand just what we failed, how far we failed it, how deeply we failed it, and then how righteously and perfectly Christ kept it for you. And like, I I like the quote that you pulled was emphasizing his righteousness, which gives us obedience, which gives us entrance into heaven, which gives us, which is the gospel is imputed. So given to us, not like imputed means he gave something to us that wasn't ours to begin with. And it's foreign to us. Um, to is through faith, not like our faith doesn't justify. I know that sounds weird, but a lot, I think a lot of people say like, oh, like I have a lot of faith. Like the faith is what like saves me. Your faith does nothing for you. What your faith does is attached to an object that does something for you. Mm-hmm. Your faith attached to Christ is what saves you. Your faith does nothing. Your faith just links you to the one who did it
1: it's not the amount of your faith it's the object of your faith exactly right? so that's why he talks about like the mustard seed of faith yep. that's exactly yeah this is almost exactly the point of that parable because you could have a gigantic amount of faith in a false god doesn't
0: do jack for you yeah
1: do anything or you could be like i actually believe in christ and it and and have a little bit of faith and that's like completely different
0: yeah totally you struggle every day with your sin which like we know you struggle with like am i saved but that that seed of the holy spirit convicting you and saying no but like this is a sin let's work let's repent let's let's read let's pray let's get under the word that seed is what saves you not because your faith because what it's in
1: Mm -hmm. and uh in the middle ish top middle of page 75 um there it, it really kind of focuses on the covenant of works in the standard reform theology. Yeah. View. And it's really important to understand there is a distinction between the relationship of God with Adam and Eve before the fall yep. and after the fall. Yeah. 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 It's radically different. Mm-hmm. What it really breaks down to is the relationship is severed and broken. Yep. And uh, so I think we've kind of repeated that over and over on this episode. Um, it's impossible for Adam and Eve to have fellowship with God unless God covers their shame and takes care of their guilt. So it's nothing we can do. We yeah. can't. We can't cover our own guilt. You know, one thing we
0: can do, we can keep adding to our guilt. <laughs> yeah, that's it. We could just keep adding to our terribleness the only thing we're good at is being bad <laughs> exactly which is not a good thing to be good at
1: no um, So, yeah.
0: but yeah the stuff you're talking about it's like right in the middle of various views concerning the relationship between god and adam in genesis 1 to 3 and you were reading right in the middle of when he's talking about um wj dumbrell uh so he talks about a couple theologians he's not like I like the, the approach that he took because he's not like disparaging them and saying these are terrible human beings. No, they won't still listen brothers. to them. They're but he yeah, he, yeah, they're still brothers in Christ, but he's, he brings out like, hey, there's this nuance in the understanding of the covenants that may not be the best nuance to have. When we want to send the gospel at its fullest. But he's not saying these are not Christians.
1: I wonder what Belcher would say if I was like, what about if I called it the covenant of obedience? He'd probably still... He might give me a little pat on the back. He's like, good and job. We're, we're still sticking with the covenant of works. <laughs> exactly. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. But I mean, maybe we can cover. So, oh, Palmer, Palmer Roberts in his book, The Christ of the Covenants. Um, there's a couple quotes that he has. So he denies. And again, he's he's not trying to disparage these people. So I'll start off by saying that. He's not yeah. trying to like whack them on top of the head and say, you idiot but he's, he's, he's kind of given us like a structure to think about. So he's saying Robertson denies that there's a covenant relationship. This is bottom of 71 between the members of the Trinity usually called the covenant of redemption. So he doesn't like some of these, these fancier words that aren't explicit in the text. And that's where Belcher says, we're not talking about explicitness in the text. We're saying contextually, what are the things that the text brings us to? Cause we forget the covenant of redemption It's hard to see how the Trinity plays a role in our salvation.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. So we talk about that. And then John Murray, um, who's, I mean, I think I've read a lot of John Murray, my own. He's a great systematic theologian. But he did have an understanding of what's called, what you said, monocovenantalism. Mm -hmm. So he was effectively only a covenant of grace. And you guys can hear this um, right here. So I'm, I'm looking through. And kind of right right in the middle of what he's saying, he's, he's talking about the covenant of works. He calls it kind of the Adamic administration. So he says he defines, this is towards the bottom of 72, he defines a covenant as a sovereign administration of grace and promise. And under this definition includes the Noahic, Abrahamic, Mosaic, Davidic, and new covenants. But he does not consider the pre-fall relationship between God and Adam. So he's not calling him a non-Christian or saying like, he's an idiot. He's just saying, if we, if we lose the covenant of works, it's hard to see specifically what we're saved from and how we're justified.
1: That's true. Yeah. The radical impact of how impossible it is for us to fulfill works in the law and how, how like i've said this the very very beginning of our podcast show it's like us uh, being a fish told to climb a tree like it's just not gonna <laughs> happen it's it's a not a thing. yeah and it's just not a thing right and then but jesus could do all this he 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 is the law fulfilled he came yeah. in, in in perfect obedience
0: yeah and, um and then unfortunately what we see, and i know there's a lot of debate about this but just just kind of have it before your guys's eyes i know some of this stuff is brand new to some of you guys is murray's part of this monocovenantal crew um, and this led to what's called and he didn't intend this i think some people assume that murray intended this but did not because he lived before this happened but a lot of his ideas were actually taken by the federal vision crew And federal vision has been kind of under heat over the last 15 years. And I I think rightly so. And I won't say much more about the federal vision personally, but there's some weird stuff that they take because they don't see works. And if you don't see works, your, your doctrine, justification, how you're saved, how you're ruled obedient under the law in the courtroom of God really suffers.
1: Mm. Yeah. That's a good point.
0: Um, Um, Because even so, this is bottom of page 76, top of page 77. This is with uh, under the Federal Vision kind of heading. And he says right here, describing the Federal Vision movement, says, thus, the garden was a kindergarten, a place where Adam could grow from childhood to kingly maturity, a place of easy life with free food, a place to learn how to cultivate and guard. And then right after this, two paragraphs later, he says, this focus affects federal vision of proponents understanding of the work of Christ who does not fulfill the law on our behalf, but becomes the first perfect mature man through faith, which makes him eligible for transformation into glory. So he almost becomes this like this figure that we look to, not the figure who saves us.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. doesn't say that and then at the very end it says reworking of the covenant of works changes how one understands the work of christ and the basis of justification by faith
1: yeah in that same section he talks about how that viewpoint has a hard time understanding where the faith is in all this yeah pre-fall but I, they might be mixing waters and not correctly distinct, distinct, making a distinction between works and grace. Totally. Yeah. And I think
0: if, if we, if we would push into this um, a little bit more with their distinction in a lot of this movement, the federal vision movements, and we've talked about this before with other um, uh, guests on the podcast, we, we talked about this very specifically, Dr. Horton, in season two, towards the beginning, we asked, Can you lose your justification? Because federal vision says you can. They say because justification is not earned, it can be lost. Mm-hmm. It's That's- more maturity. They see justification, just like that quote says, as maturity in the faith, not a one time pronouncement that says this sinner is saved. Yeah. Which we deny wholeheartedly what they're saying we say no justification is a one-time pronouncement by the judge saying jesus's obedience and righteousness has been given to you that has fulfilled a law on your behalf you are now justified we say that
1: i think they're looking at the progression of sanctification without the assurance yeah. of justification
0: i think so yeah i think i think what you've said before is there. They're taking justification and sanctification, smashing it together and saying that's justification.
1: Right. Well, pray for our brothers and sisters in in that kind of viewpoint. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of true Christians in that. So just give them grace, pray for them that, um, you know, we're just kind of working through this stuff together. So, yeah.
0: And I, I like towards the end. So page 78, last paragraph, um actually before this and i'll do this last paragraph so it says this kind of first paragraph to 78 towards the end it says sometimes these views he's talking about the views we just talked about also results in a weakening of the use of the law with the denial of the contrast between the law and the gospel mm-hmm. then he moves further on and says the contrast between righteousness of the law and righteousness of faith a contrast between law and gospel is foundational for a proper view of the work of Christ. And he references Romans 5 to six and our justification. So if we lose this distinction between covenant of works, our responsibility on the law and covenant of grace, the fact that Christ has done that for us, it's really hard to have a fuller understanding of what the gospel is.
1: Mm -hmm. And then right immediately after that, he says the covenant of works gives the work of Christ a rationale for why he had to come and what he had to accomplish for our salvation, which is cited in Romans 5, 12 to 21.
0: Yeah. So if if we're not sure what we're saved from, what do we think Christ did for us? Yeah. It's really hard to understand
1: that. So let me ask a kind of a rhetorical question here. (laughs) Okay. Peter, is it good that there is a covenant of works? Heck freaking yeah, it is. Yeah, because it gives that distinction, and it gives the heavy humility and impact of what Christ did in the covenant of grace. Yeah. Now, another question. What's the difference between the covenant of works and the law? They're effectively
0: the same thing. Okay. We're covenant of works given in the garden. We're actually given a fuller exposition of it in Exodus 20. People know that as the Ten
1: Commandments. And I'm glad you brought that up because he does in in this chapter briefly mention how the law really, I'm trying to hopefully I'm getting this right off my memorization, isn't really introduced until Moses, right? The law.
0: Yeah. So the law is more fully introduced with Moses and the Ten Commandments. It takes what we see in the garden and expands it, but doesn't change it or doesn't really anything new, it just expands it. It says. This is effectively what was in the garden. It's just expanded more in view. Like Israel's failed this yet. Don't just look at the
1: law. Look what the law is pointing to. Yeah. And I think he brought that up because he was explaining sin existed before the law. Yep. Yep.
0: Okay. Yeah. Sin existed before the law, which means the law indicts us more specifically. We see our law and Romans seven which you guys will hear about from Dr. Waters next week, Romans seven is us looking at the law and saying, I can't do this. This is pointing out some things in me that I know exist. I don't want them to happen, but they're there and don't just stick there. It's pointing you to the gospel pointing to the one who's done it for you, which I think a lot of reformed people can just stick at the law and say like, Oh man, you guys suck into the law. Good luck. Mm. But you have to see the law is not just the law, the law, the law exists to point out your sin at the same time that it points you to Christ.
1: So the law is God's standards mm-hmm. and works is our level of obedience.
0: Yeah, it's how do we how do we fare under the instructions yeah. given to us?
1: Yeah. Oh man, thank goodness for. The covenant of grace, the gospel, Jesus. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, just to wrap it up, just to give you guys more like a not fuller, but more concise. It's covenant of works establishes both what we can't do, what Adam didn't do, but what Christ has done. So it's if you haven't taken hold of Christ, you are under this covenant. Mm-hmm. You can't do anything about this covenant. So it's as we'll pronounce more specifically next week, but it's also Christ is the only one, literally the only one who's fulfilled this Mm -hmm. and it's us taking christ's obedience not our faith our faith grasps Mm -hmm. our faith is the instrument used but christ is the actual one who's fulfilled it for us
1: that makes sense to order this book based on the titles of the chapters because it's the covenant of redemption which was like before all creation who knows it could have been before all the angels because it is really just talking about the trinity yeah it yeah and 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 the covenant of works in the old testament we don't really have biblical references to what angels were thinking before you know at this time but the covenant of works pre-fall adam was the same covenant of works also that angels are under and the covenant of works are still what angels are under right now yeah
0: i mean humankind is also under if you're not under christ right you're under the covenant of
1: works and you're under the covenant of works but
0: the covenant of works like Dr. Waters, just to give you guys a preview, will stress, don't stop at the Covenant of Works. It exists to point you forward. Don't stop. Keep going. Keep going. No. Covenant, <laughs> covenant of Grace is there. So yeah. we'll cover that later on, but hopefully you guys, after this episode, have a, a fuller, more gospel-centered understanding of the Covenant of Works and read chapter two of this book. It's it's thick, short, to the point gives you what you need to know and no fluff
1: and actually uh please read um genesis chapters one through three yeah and
0: galatians three romans 10 um yeah because galatians three brings up leviticus 18 5 deuteronomy 22 there's two other references um but paul looks back at the covenants and says, like, yeah, it says do it perfectly. You guys say you're doing it perfectly. You're not doing it perfectly. That's the one who did it perfectly.
1: Yeah. And P- Paul, as you'll learn next week with Dr. Waters, he's not coming up with so- anything new. He's no. repeating what is in the Old Testament scriptures. And Paul knows the Old Testament really stinking well. If you have any understanding of who Paul is, yeah, he has the highest level of education yeah there's of, there's I no know.
0: doubt he has i mean we know the schooling that they got in the first century especially paul under gamaliel gamaliel is the harvard of first century roman citizens and paul had the Pentateuch's, the first five books of the bible the law likely memorized down flat in both hebrew and greek both of those probably had a majority of the historical books to so think like the Kings, Samuel, judges, Joshua, I had a majority of that memorized down flat. Yeah. Oh, likely had all the Psalms memorized down flat. So he's no slouch. He knows his Bible.
1: He's just, he's just pointing to the uh, old Testament and illuminating it rather than making up all sorts of new brand new stuff, which. Yeah. another conversation for another time. Cause there's a lot of, uh, unfortunate criticism against Paul in um, in some churches. Yeah, totally. And yeah, he's, he's also not just looking he's, he's
0: taking what's already there and explaining it to New Testament Christians. It's not new. He's like, this is what the old Testament says about itself. Yep. I'm just bringing it to you. Yep. So
1: yeah, look forward to
0: next week. Next week's great. But
1: so yeah, next week is the uh, covenant of works in the new Testament. So Yeah. And if you
0: guys listen to this, it's like we already said, it's with Dr. Waters. So the guy who wrote the chapter, so you guys will get to enjoy a, uh, an episode with the author himself. We've had him on before. So if you guys want to listen to our episode with covenant theology with Dr. Waters, I think it's number six of season two. So listen to that one. If you guys kind of want an overview and then
1: listen to next week too. Just in case you guys are like, Oh no, all season three is just Nick and Peter talking. (laughs) Yeah.
0: they like, guys, there's a reason why we liked season two a lot more because it wasn't you. <laughs>
1: no. Yeah, yeah, right. There's a little mix. Like, there's 20, yeah. like, there's quite a 26, 28, whatever chapters in this. So we're going to mix it up. About main... half will be us, half will be with guests. Yep. We're going to have fun with it. We're going to have a little help from some friends as that song goes. Every now and <laughs> and <then. laughs> yes. I didn't sing the song. <laughs> Please do. I might find the track and like when we bring somebody on, maybe oh I'll boy, play a little clip of It's it. like
0: the recipe for having them just like okay, bye on Zoom and then leaving.
1: I, I don't know how to even do those technological things. That's probably we a good thing. Need to hire an intern to just do that stuff for us.
0: <laughs> That's true. If you guys know anybody, here here's a specific shout out. If you guys know anybody who wants to be part of a podcast. Who we can give you guys some, some juicy details of what we'll give you, <laughs> but if you guys know any interns or people who like social media, who like building websites, who know how to use YouTube, we have a pretty sweet deal for somebody. If you want to be part of a, a podcast that's growing pretty fast, so let us know, shout us out. If you have Thank a friend you. who's in college or who wants to learn and be part of a, a cool, cool kind of ground level podcast who's is growing pretty fast, and shout us out. We'll we'll hook you up and we'll talk some we'll talk some talk some shot
1: it may it may or may not be what a reformed
0: oh my gosh i would salivate if a reformed person
1: reformed person would spend their money on anyway which yeah. they probably assume that's a book <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah we might have a lot of free those things for somebody who wants to intern for us so let us know we'll we'll probably tweet this out pretty soon or put it on instagram for we're looking for interns to help us out if you're a reform intern and you like books, you're going to like us a lot. Mm-hmm. All right, so I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's anything else we want to add, but hopefully, you guys enjoyed this. You guys saw the works, you guys saw the law, you guys saw the gospel, um, kind of all at the same time, but yeah, yeah.
1: One thing I would add is I, I wish we personally knew Dr. Belcher, uh, but what I would say if you want to hear his voice, yeah, and walk around with your earphones on and hear them while you're walking the dog or whatever and take a break from our podcast go to rts which is reformed theological seminaries free lectures it's um i don't know really how to walk you guys through how yeah to, I'll, but, I'll
0: link it to the show notes
1: yeah you guys can find it and belcher does a lot of those lectures that i've listened to you've had you can find kruger who we've had on the show before and some others but belcher if you want to hear his voice and how phenomenal he is on unpacking the old testament yeah um, you can hear his voice on there.
0: Yep. So we will we'll see you guys next week for a Covenant of Works in the New Testament with Dr. Guy Waters. Mm-hmm. Peace out.
1: Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed that episode of our podcast, Guilt, Grace, Gratitude. And we, uh, as we have said before, we are bridging the gap to Reformed Christian theology for your listening pleasure. So we would like to make sure this is enjoyed by others around the world and how to best do that is rate and review us on iTunes.
0: Yeah, and you, after you rate and review or instead of writing review or doing everything all at once, retweeting us on Twitter, liking us on Twitter, liking us on Instagram, following us on both of those platforms, because that actually puts in front of people's physical face this podcast, these guests, and most importantly, the gospel, the doctrines uh, that these guests are are bringing in front of you guys. So please do that. It helps get
1: in front of more people. Amen. And hopefully you guys are part of a local church and you're tithing. And uh, after that, after tithing, if you have any means left over, please consider donating to us to make sure our bridge Is well paved and maintained and strong and sturdy. As again, we bridge the gap to reform (laughs) Christian theology. Exactly.
0: Yeah, and you guys can find that link on Anchor, our official Anchor website. If you just go on um our social media links, it'll it'll link you to that website. It's also at the bottom of these this podcast show notes. If you're on this podcast, a specific episode, scroll all the way to the bottom of that show notes and you guys will find a link for this for three different options of donating so we hope you guys can help us bridge the gap pay for shipping get nicer stuff all for the focus of spreading the gospel further yep all for the
1: kingdom of god thanks so much guys we'll see you guys next time